This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Hello, media consumers. Welcome to the Press Box. Brian Curtis of The Ringer here, along with producer Erica Cervantes, There's an old saying among reporters that goes something like this, one for them and one for me. Meaning, if I do an assignment my editors want me to do, then I get to do an assignment I want to do. Talking to the NFL Network's Michael Irvin, aka The Playmaker, about the 30th anniversary of the world champion 1992 Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys team that won the Super Bowl when I was a freshman in high school. Yeah, that's one for me. I talked to Irvin about all kinds of things from 1992, Troy Aikman and Emmitt Smith, Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson, the time Irvin missed the team playing to Detroit, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Bills. And if you happen to hear the voice of a 15-year-old from Fort Worth who's replaying the first great sports moment of his lifetime, Yeah, that's one for me, too. Here's the playmaker, Michael Irvin. All right, Michael, whenever a team wins the Super Bowl, we all like to pretend that it was obvious in retrospect. But that 1992 Dallas Cowboys team was the youngest team in the NFL. You had won one playoff game ever. When did you think the Cowboys were good enough to win the Super Bowl? Let me tell you something. When we were uh, after that, that 91 season, that I won. I think I won rookie or receiver of the year. Emmett won uh, running back of the year. You know, we had the most yards, one running back and receiver. He was driving home. He was driving home. He said to me, he called me, he said, man, we're going to work for next year. He said, we're going to rip it up next year. 
I said, E, we're going all the way next year. We're going to get it. Because we had just, there, there's this, uh, I was telling somebody about this today. They're, 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 how they train uh, hunting dogs. And it's called first blood. They get the dog and they smear the dog's nose and blood. all day, And then they say, now go hunt. After he's gotten that smell of blood, that's all he wants. It's called first blood. That was that, that's what that playoff game was like for us. When you, especially when you're coming from a one and 15 and a three and 13, just to get to the playoffs well, was, was everything. And once we got there, it was like, we're not going back. That's it. Because that, that, that 92 year, remember, everybody thought we were a little too young and that it's 49ers, we're going to give them a game, but the 49ers will win it. And, and when we went to Candlestick, I remember us saying in the locker room, we would die before we lose this game. We are real willing to die. And I took a hit, <laughs> Drew, right on that two-yard line. I felt like I was dead because they caught me pretty good. But, yeah, we, we were ready for that game. All right. So when I'm growing up in Fort Worth 30 years ago, there were all these guys around who were literally your father's Dallas Cowboys. Tom Landry, Roger yeah. Staubach, Drew Pearson. How did you think of yourselves in comparison to those guys? Well, you know, you know, I, I was Tom's last, well, last first round draft pick. You know, I I was in his last draft, so so I, I got a chance to get my beak wet with those guys. I walked in the locker room and saw Ed Too Tall Jones and Randy White and all of those guys. You know, Danny White and uh, so 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 those guys I had the utmost respect for, the utmost respect, love and respect for, and still do. I still talk to those guys, and we we wanted. We, we we wanted to be like those guys. Not one time in our t- time that we said, man, I'm tired of hearing about the old guys because they had the tradition. They had, you know, they had understanding. Our offensive linemen wanted to pay respects to them in the game. Why? And, and they did that little up-down thing that, you know, the linemen do. Out of respect, saying, we know you guys have set the standard and we're trying to meet them and beat them. And we fortunately, we did couple of things about that 92 season I want to ask you about. This is before the NFL had free agency. So you right. did not have a contract. Is this right until four days before the season opener against Washington? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We went back and forth on that contract for a while. And, and I remember I was, I was willing to sit out, sit out. And, and, and we finally got together and talked and, and, and got, got, you know, one thing Jimmy said to me, Jimmy said, Michael, if it was anyone else, I, I would have forced them to get something done quicker. He says, but I know how hard you work. You're going to be working as hard as we were here. So I, 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 I calm my heels to let you get as much as you can so you can get it done. But, but, but yeah, yeah, I came in and we played that first game. And we played okay in that first game. We still, we still won that game against Washington, even though I came in three days before. And then we just went on that run. One of my favorite rivalries during that period was your rivalry with the Eagles. I think you were one and eight against the Eagles going into that 92 season. And they were kind of the league leaders in bulletin board material before you guys right. played them. What was it like right. playing the Eagles in 92? It, it, it was like lining up against death. That's what it was. Dude, listen, dude, they had like Clyde Simmons, Major White, Jerome Brown, dude, Seth Joyner. Man, they had a squad, man. They were telling on that defense. They sacked Troy so many times, man. I felt so bad for Troy, man. And, and, 
and they had that thing over us. You know what I mean? They, they just they dominated us. I, I saw offensive linemen leaving the game. They said, well, what's wrong with you? He said, uh, I'm hurt somewhere in here. I'm just not going back in the game. You know <laughs> what I mean? They were making guys not want to play. But, man, that, that was quite a squad. That was quite a squad. But right around that, like you're talking about, that 92 season, we were like, man, we were a whole different football team then. We had Eric Williams, and, and we, we had some offensive linemen that had a different kind of personality. We had Eric. And Eric, you going to take care of Reggie White. you going to, wherever Reggie is, you're going to take care of Reggie. And, 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 and he did. And once he got a hold of Reggie, we got a hold of everything. November 8th game against Detroit. I remember this being a huge story in DFW at the time. You missed the team plane. What happened there? Yeah, that was an interesting, interesting morning. Now, you know, what we, what, what messed, how I messed up is though a lot of the family members were gone. So my wife and everybody, they all went a day before, right? The whole family went the day before. I'm home by myself. And, and and I go to sleep. I you know I go to sleep. I said I'll get up, and make it. And man, I, I I was running. I was only five minutes behind. Five minutes. I ran up right. I'm looking right at the plane. I see Rich like here comes Michael. Jimmy, shut the door. We gone. Let's go. I said, oh my god. I said, I'm right here. Are you guys going to leave me? All right. Man, he pulls off. When I got to uh, when I got to Detroit. He was so hot. Coach was so hot. I've known Coach, you know, since I was 17, 18 years old. You know, because I started with him at the University of Miami as, my freshman, as a freshman. And I know when he's hot. That look, that look was shaking. He was mad. He said, Michael, you're one of my leaders. How can you relax, Coach? He said, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. He said, I'm finding you. And you will not be starting in the game. And, and, and I, I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. No problem. Yes, sir. I understand. Because I knew he was upset. I said, yes, sir. No problem. Yes, sir. However you want to do it, I'm with it. So, so we get it. We get it. We get They stay. So just stand by me on the sideline. Calvin Martin starts. Alvin Harper. I think Norv called like, and I'm standing right next to Jim. Right? And Norv, you can hear Norv on the head say, no, he calls one play. And then Noah next play, Noah's like, hey, Jimmy, come on, that's enough now. Let's get him in the game. <laughs> and a few plays later, they were sending me right back in the game. You know what I mean? But Detroit gave us some, some fits those days. And Detroit was Detroit was a was a tough team, man. Detroit locked us out of that playoffs. And, and, and for some reason, we had some real struggles playing Detroit. Another airplane story from that season. You guys are 11 and 2 kicking butt, and then you go to Washington and lose. What was Jimmy Johnson like on the team plane on the way back to Dallas from Washington? And, and you know what? It's so funny because you bring that up. I, I thought what Minnesota had this year was something similar to that. Because Minnesota had the, the chain thing going, right? So let me tell you how that worked, Drew. When we had, when we had, we, when, whenever we would be in a game, we would play that game in Washington. And man, you know, because you okay, you eat five hours before 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 the game. You eat five hours before the game. Then you go play a game. That's your pregame meal. You come in, you warm up. Then you go play a game. You're exhausted and you're starving. And the lady, when we get on the plane, 
the lady was bringing that card out after we lost that game. Because you remember, I think, was that the game that they fumbled? We fumbled in the end zone or whatever. However, we fumbled in the end zone. We lost that game. I think Eric Williams tried to throw the ball out the end zone and somebody fell on and got a touchdown or something. Jimmy was hot. It was hot. And that poor lady, she started bringing that food out. When it served Jimmy, put that food back. You bring that. He scared that lady like, y'all don't know what you want. She, she took that card back. He said, if they were hungry, they should have eaten on the field. Nobody's eating around here today. I mean, we could, we didn't even eat. We were starving. And that's a long flight back from Washington. Not to eat. I was like, are you joking, man? This is not right. So, so the rest of the year, the rest of the year, we're on the road. Anytime that game is close or we're down, I come in that huddle and four courts. Hey, dude, what's going on, man? Are we gonna eat or not? Are we gonna? Eat or not? Let's get back. So, and and and, for, and it would turn everything. You know what I mean? Just that little thing. That's all I had to do was come in the huddle and say, "Are we going to eat or not? Let's get this damn thing going." And, and we would get it going. I read after that week there was actually a Christmas party, a team Christmas party. And enough of the players were pissed off at Jimmy or just generally pissed off that they did not show up for the Christmas party. Is that what happened? I, I don't I wouldn't remember that. I knew I went to the Christmas party. And by the time they got there, I couldn't remember what they were <laughs> at that time anyway. I don't, I don't remember uh, guys not showing up. I, I, I showed I had fun at those Christmas parties. The relationship between Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones exploded less than a year and a half after this season. Knowing what you know now, what fault lines could you see forming in 1992? Man, it, it, no, no, I don't know now. I, I know how much business is involved in this business, you know, and, and, and egos that are real. They're real. It's all real. You know, that's why and, and I, I say that this year on TV, man, I just didn't like the way I saw things playing out in, 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 in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers and that front office because they they look like some personal stuff to me over there. You know what I'm saying? And it's hard to succeed when you have that kind of stuff going on. I, I, I was so I was so crushed to find out that those two separated. You know, I knew they were great friends before and we came together and we all did some great things. And and to not be able to try to to not be able to try to finish to see how far we can take it as is and intact will always be a disappointment. Disappointment. There's no, no no doubt about it. To have that kind of to have that kind of run that we had and not be able to finish it is tantamount to to that last dance that we saw with the Bulls. You know what I mean? And, and, and Michael Jordan. Because right now to this day, we won three Super Bowls, but we always talk about the ones that we should have won and that we didn't win because we didn't feel like we got a chance to finish. We live in a world now, Michael, where it feels like there's a bombshell national story about the Cowboys every week. And if there's not, the debate shows <laughs> make sure that there is a bombshell story about the Cowboys. Did it feel like that in 1992? Did you feel like you were doing a week to week national media kind of living in that kind of existence? I don't, I don't think it to this degree now, because there are differences we had, Networks that determine what was bomb. The networks determine what was bombshells. How much something would come down? How much would they play it? Wow! Look at this, and then we get to 
say, oh, I guess that's a bombshell. So, you you know, the net was determined that. Now, you can put something on any show, what show, talk about any, anywhere, and social media determine if it's a bombshell. You see what I'm saying? And so, so now that the bombshells determining factors are in the people's hand, not many more in the executive hands in the networks. It's in the people's hand, literally, on these on these devices. Yeah, it, it's all cowboys all the time. All of our segments on the our, our first take those cowboy segments ratings through the roof. You know what I mean? It's just all cowboys all the time. I love that. You blow out the Eagles in the playoffs, 34 to 10 in the first round. And then Jerry Jones does something that's kind of straight out of college football. He has a pep rally for 60,000 fans at Texas Stadium. What was that like? Yeah. Listen, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry believes in all of this. This was Jerry. Jerry, when I first met Jerry, Jerry said he, 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 he believed it when he said it. The Dallas Cowboys, they're nothing bigger than the Dallas Cowboys. We got to make sure the Dallas Cowboys' name is on every lip in the world. And, and, and it's that big of a brand. A salesman like that, he, he he's not just saying that out of his mouth. He really chewed that. He swallowed that. He's digested that. And he believed that. That's how Jerry took it. $140 million investment and turned it into eight or $10 billion today if he was trying to sell that team. So, yeah, he, he believed it. When Jerry wanted everybody thinking Dallas Cowboys, those pet, that pet rally, I remember we did that kind of stuff, man. It was, that was, that was insane. It was fun, too. It was fun. It was incredible. Because remember, now, remember those, we were getting those people involved and getting them going, man, get them excited again about the Dallas Cowboys because they've had, we've had a long, we had a lower, a lower in there. You know what I mean? It, it wasn't cowboy football, but we were back and we were ready for everybody to know it. Yeah, it's just so fun to think about having that, not only before the Super Bowl, but before the NFC Championship game. <laughs> right, right. You're on stage whipping everybody up, you know, and that's very funny. You know, Jimmy, you know, Jimmy was going crazy about that. You know, Jimmy was like, man, we need to be focusing. But Jerry was the promoter. He was the seller, and he did a great job himself. January 17th, 1993, which is 30 years ago next week, play San Francisco mm. in the NFC Championship game. I remember watching on TV and just seeing a mud puddle on my television screen where the football field used to be. What, right. what do you remember about the field that day? Yeah, it was horrible. The field was horrible. But it wasn't anything that we were going to let get in our way. We talked about it. We said, man, they did this on purpose. Can't, that was the worst field. We had to go and change to those long spikes. Everybody, we went out the first time, first time we went out. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, they did this on purpose. They did this on purpose. San Francisco, they mucked up the field on purpose. They don't want to. Yeah, they didn't want to feel this heat. And actually, when we got there, I thought, I, I felt like, that's so funny, I felt like we were in the movie, uh, Lone Yard, when, when Adam Sandler said, that old bat, that old man watering down our field, lets me know that he's scared. And that's what we started saying. They must be scared. Why they had to do this? They were, okay, let's see. Then we had to go change those spikes, but we came back out and commenced it to whoop it that butt still. <laughs> Super Bowls in Pasadena against the Buffalo Bills. 
I got some true or false for you for Super Bowl week here. I don't care what anybody say, whatever you want to say, how you want to say it, whatever you want. I don't care what I'm supposed to say. You ask me about Super Bowl, they ain't nothing like that first. <laughs> ain't nothing like that first. And, and it was in Hollywood. We was like, we belong in Hollywood. That was the perfect ending to that season in Pasadena Rose, Fred Rose. True or false, you were sad because Arsenio Hall asked Emmett Smith to be on his show that week instead of you. <laughs> I, I loved Arsenio Hall. I wanted to be on Arsenio Hall. Absolutely. You know, so that's a yeah. I'll give you that a true. Uh, true or false, you and Troy and Emmett talked to Magic Johnson that week about how to prepare to win championships. Love Magic. Always talk with Magic. Still to this day talks with Magic. And Magic, let me tell you some too. Let me give you this quick story too. You know, my rookie year in the league, I got into it. We were at some club here in Dallas. I got into it with Ron Harper at a club. I had just gotten drafted. Got Ron Harper, the basketball player. We got into, we were about to get a real, a real dust-up fight, you know, and Magic heard about it. Magic. And, and when we went to that first training camp out in uh, Thousand Oaks, out in Thousand Oaks, we had a first training camp. Magic was having a camp there for kids, too, basketball camp. You know, Magic called me in and run Ron Harper, got Ron Harper to come in and made us talk and make it up. Like he said, hey, man, we, we, as black men, we got enough to fight. We can't be fighting each other. We got to be fighting together. So, you know, Magic, I, 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 I love Magic, man. I just love Magic. I'll never forget that. I was a rookie, a rookie. I'm sitting in. You know, I done been in the principal office before, but I was sitting in Magic's office. I was like, this Magic joke. This is here. Hey, what? <laughs> hey, but Magic was right, man. And what he said, he's always been just the greatest dude in the world. That's amazing. Magic Johnson convened a peace summit between you and Ron Harper. I, I did not know that story. Buddies after that now. If I see him right now, we run up to each other and just jump. You know what I'm saying? And we were just, just two alpha dogs going at it. And Magic said, no, we're not having any of that. Not even across sports. He said, we're not having any of that. And he made both of us sit down and, and hash that out. And of course, the weirdest story from Super Bowl week is that Magic Johnson's bodyguard allegedly got in a fight with the Bills linebacker, yeah. Daryl Talley, at a nightclub. Truly yeah. one of the weirder Super Bowl week stories of all time. Uh, That's true. That's the true, too. <laughs> Were you there? Were you at that nightclub? I was, I was at Roxbury. I was at that club. I was absolutely there. Everything was popping, buddy. What do you mean? I'm not going to miss that. They was popping, <laughs> buddy, in L.A. That club, everybody was at that club. And yeah, it, it was quite a night. True or false, you left the locker room at halftime of the Super Bowl to check out Michael Jackson's halftime show. True. That's absolutely true. You better believe it. I never I never got a chance to see Michael Jackson. And, and, and that was probably... That, that was going to be my chance. And, and and I'll never forget when I stuck out. You know how he came out and he just stood there for a minute. And he stood there for a while. And I was like, come on, man, do something. I got to get back in this seat. I got to get back in this locker room. I just wanted to hear, hear him sing. But he was just standing there. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, 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 was, it was phenomenal to see it. Looking back at that Super Bowl, I had forgotten that you guys actually started kind of slowly in that game. When did you know you were going to win that game? When we, when Emmett and I hit the tunnel, Emmett, 
and I come out last, and we'll go right at the edge of the tunnel. We'll always tap each other, and he will hit our chest and hit each other too. Two fingers on each end. That's double trouble, 88-22. By land up by air, they're going to lose this game. So that's what we're – and all week we were talking about, we was like, man, it's just another game. A 20-yard end is a 20-yard end. Let's just go. And when he hit his experience stuff, Buffalo's been here before. I that ain't got nothing to do with nothing. It's just a regular game we're going to play. And then when we got the edge of that tunnel to do our double trouble, those fans went like, wow. And dude, my heart rate jumped and, it, and my knees buckled. And I looked at Emmett, Emmett said, he said, hey man, let's just keep it cool. Make sure nobody says anything because if they know we were, we got no shot. Because, you know, Emmett and I were, we were, you know, so we got no shots. So let's go, Emmett, let's go. So we were, I, we were, I was hyperventilating that first, you know what I mean? I was, I couldn't get going, man. I felt exhausted early on in that game. And I remember, was it a, and, and we finally, I remember Troy hitting, was it Jay Novacek? Yeah, up a scene. We got a good play up the scene that kind of got us going and got us settled down. And then we commenced to doing what we were going to do. But Jimmy talked about all that. Jimmy broke that game down exactly how it would happen. He says that first quarter is going to be hard and, and, and we'll start gaining a little weight around the sec- beginning of the second quarter. He said right around the middle of the quarter, they'll start turning the ball over and we're going to take over the game right then. We're going to pour it on and put our foots on their throat. And that's exactly what happened. They started turning that ball over right around the middle of the third, second quarter. Remember, I got two touchdowns in 18 seconds, two offensive touchdowns in 18 seconds. It's, as much as we're throwing the ball now, it's the only record I could probably keep forever. Two offensive touchdowns in a Super Bowl in, within 18 seconds. Uh, hopefully that would have stayed forever. <laughs> Including your most replayed catch of all time, which is you jumping up in the air, catching the ball at like waist level, right. Sp- right. spinning left right. into the end zone. Yeah, right. And, and, and that play, remember that, that was the second of the touchdowns, right? The first one, I had just run like a little bang eight. So, woof. And I came back and told Troy, I said, he's sitting deep inside, Troy. He's sitting deep inside. He said, you want to get a seven? That means, a you know, a post corner, back to the corner. I said, yeah, let's get one on him. Let's go. Let's run that post, that same post, give him that action, and then go back to the corner. You put in the corner. He said, let's do it. Bam. We break the huddle. I come out. He's way inside again. Man, he's so way inside. And I even tried to cut down my spit a little split just a little bit. And I, But but he, he went down even more. I said, he's giving me all that. So I run the route. And then when I go run, go to run the seven, go run the, the post route, he's so far inside. I, I I was like, I don't know. I came out of it too soon. I should have taken two more steps. I came out of it too soon. So I, when I'm running back to the corner, I'm seeing Troy getting ready to throw the ball. That means if I'm seeing Troy throw the ball, the DB's already driving. He's already driving because the timing of this play is off. So so when I when, when Troy threw it, I jumped. I jumped to kick him in his head. I wanted that's why my leg went up a kick to go to intercept this ball. But 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 right, I was gonna try to kick hell hold him back with my leg while I chest the ball. When I caught it and I tried to hold him back, he spent me around. 
when he hit my leg, trying to come through my leg to spin. He spit me around, man, so I ain't even die and give him the ball. I was like, what a great pleasure, dog. That was, that was my fault right there. I came out of that route too early. That was almost a 99-yard pick six. That would have been disaster right there. But I, I, I would have kicked his head off if I could have. I was thinking about this while watching TCU and Georgia play last night. What does it feel like to be part of a game that turns into a mismatch like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt I felt bad for TCU last night after that kind of a season. You know, I have a godson that plays on TCU that I help make the help him make the decision to go to TCU. And I talked to him after the game last night, and and, and his family and his family was like, you know, they were all just they were just they were just torn up. I said, listen. His dad asked me, he said, what, what do I say to him? What do I say about the game? I said, let me tell you what you say. And I took it from what my mom said to me after we lost that Penn State game. I remembered that. You know, I was so crushed and everything. I came out and I said, man, we lost that game. I was crying. She said, oh, baby, don't worry about that. You'll get it next time. She said, baby, this has been an incredible year. We got to do things. We went to some incredible games, and we got to come out here this out here this this bowl game to say you you brought the family back together again, and we we all got to go to football game. And that's what I told them last night. I was like, man, what an incredible ride that that this, that, that was to TCU. You know what I mean? All the national games they got to travel, they got to go to the big bowl games. I said, man, that's what you focus on. It was a hell of a great year and a great experience for a freshman. You know what I'm saying? It just got in. So so that, that's what you got to focus on when, you, when you're on that end of a game like that. Now, I've never been on the losing end of a game like that. I've lost, but nobody ever just, just, just beat me down like that. It's just, that was a beat down. You win the Super Bowl. You get on the bus to go back to the team hotel. What do you do for the rest of the night? Oh, uh, to be listen. When we won the Super Bowl, be when we won the Super Bowl, I was I was the last person out of that locker room. I'm usually the first out of the locker room. You know, we're going to go hit this club, get us some drinks, and now everything. I, I was the last one out of that locker room. I sat there all day, all night, and I said, "Wow, wow." This is what it is. This is what it was. We and I remember the one in fifteen. I remember the three and thirteen. I was like, "Wow, we came from that to this." I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. As a matter of fact, it, it's, it's, it's kind of how I got a chance to get into business. Who was Jim Rome? Who uh, who was what's his name? Uh, Mark that used to run ESPN. Mark Shapiro. Mark Shapiro. He was Jim Rome's. Mark Shapiro, that's my boy. Mark Shapiro's my boy. He was Jim Rome's producer. I was the last one out of the locker room, and they were looking, and Jim Rome was coming on overnight. Remember that late night stuff, remember? And they were like, man, Mike, man, I know you, I know, I know you've been working all day. I know you haven't spoken. He said, man, and there was nobody there. There was nobody. Everybody had gone. I just didn't leave the locker room. I was just sitting there. I can't believe it. I was crying. And then, and then he called me and said, man, if you give us some time, man, just a few minutes, man, I'll never forget it, Mike, I promise you, I'll never forget it, man. It's really big. I was like, I, I got some time. 
And then we're going to talk. We're going to talk. We just won the Super Bowl. I got time to talk to you. Come on, let's do some talking. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so I went on with them. We, we, you know, we had a great interviews, fun talks, talk. And then, and then we left, you know, went on. Now, I, I, you know, I kept in touch with Rome and talked to Rome more as I went through it. But then years, years, years later, I retired. I'm going, I'm working at Best Damn Sports Show. And, 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 and I get a phone call and it's Mark Shapiro. He said, we want to bring you in and, and, and we want to interview, interview you for Countdown. I said, oh, really? I said, okay. He said, you remember me? I said, uh, what do you mean? He told, he told me, he said, yeah, I was, I was the producer. I told you I'll never forget this. He said, I think this is the opportunity that I was talking about even back then. So between us, I think they, they would get, they were playing on, you know, parting ways with Sterling Sharp. And it, that was that was right after the Super Bowl that Tampa won. And if you remember, Sterling and Keyshawn had something going. So right after Tampa won the Super Bowl, they put a camera in front of Keyshawn and said, hey, Keyshawn, what do you think? Keyshawn looked right in the camera and said, well, hey, Sterling, I got my ring and my brother didn't have to give it to me. I got my own ring. You see what I'm saying? So, so, so they... That was right. That was right on ESPN. All that. Now I'm not saying that's why they parted ways with Sterling, but they did part ways with Sterling that that offseason. They when they brought me in for the interview, you know, you bring me in, they sit down, they were doing the interview, talking, talking, talking. At the end of the interview, B, let me tell you what I did, Brian. Anyway, I'm so stupid. I'm just a nut. I don't know. I'm trying. To, you you always you remember they say try to leave an impression at the end of an interview. Try to leave an impression. So when you leave, they're still thinking about you, right? So, so I I go back. I'm thinking about what happened in the Super Bowl and everything. I got. So I get when I'm in the meeting, we're all sitting in the room. Spiro, all the execs are in the room. Where they're interviewing me, interviewing me. I'm talking. I'm talking. My agent right there. And then interviews over. I shake all of their hands. We stand up. I said, uh, and we start acting like we're leaving. And then I said, the guy. I said, uh, Guys, one second, one last thing, one last thing, one last thing. I said, uh, listen, I was watching the Super Bowl when Keyshawn yelled at Sterling what he yelled, talking about, oh, I got my Super Bowl ring and it's not my brother's. I got me one. I said, I don't know if that looks good. I don't know how, how good that looks for the network. I said, but I tell you what, put out all three of mine, threw them on the table like dice. You'll never have to worry about that with me. And walked out. You know what I mean? All through my ring, going across the table, right? I, I walked out. I told my agent, I said, get them rings. And he said, wait, 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 wait. Come back, come back. We got to give you the job. That was it right there. So that's the deal. He said, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Michael, come on back. We're going to give you the job. And so I got the opportunity to work with Chris Berman and, and Tom Jackson. In the business, and I thought they were the best in the business. I learned so much from those dudes, man. I, they, I thought they were just the best. That's an amazing walkout story, right there. I mean, that's 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 an ender. <laughs> and those rings are in my pocket all day, and I I never take my rings. Right, I'm I'm holding on to them. I'm going to make sure I don't lose them. They're rattling in my pocket, and then I threw them on the table like that, like they were dice, man. And everybody started laughing, you know. Then. So they're like, yeah, yeah, okay, come back, come back. You got the job. We're going to work it out right now. So, yeah, it worked out. A couple more quick ones for you. 
one of the funny things over the last 30 years since I experienced this team when I was in high school is to watch people sort of try to reevaluate you guys over the years. Oh, Emmett, you know, he was just running behind good offensive lines. Troy Eggman, his stats don't stack up against other Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Michael Irvin, oh, the game's changed so much. You know, there's so much more passing. Are you protective of the idea of how good you guys were in the 90s? Well, the game does, it all evolves. It really does. It, it, the athletes are better now. They are. Remember, we remember when we played, I was the big guy and they had a fast guy. Now the big guy is a fast guy. Everybody's fast. I mean, everybody's fast. Everybody. So, so yeah, you got better athletes. I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't begrudge that. And I don't, I don't, I don't say that's not the case. That is the case. But a unit, we had a, a certain unit. And, and I, I always hear people say that too. When you ran behind the greatest office, I was like, stop saying that. That, that line was, that was the same line. Ryan, you, you, you that, when we got Terrence Flagler from San Francisco, who was a really good running back over there, he came over here behind this line. He got me, he got nothing. It was nothing until Emmett got there. And then all of a sudden, these fifth rounders and sixth rounders and free agents like Nate Newton and the two and eight, all of a sudden, they became the greatest offensive line ever. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, was, it was both Emmett and them getting together. I, I don't think anybody had any one of them as one of the greatest athletes at, at, at the individual. But when you put it all together, it worked perfect. It just worked perfectly. And it didn't work with any other back like that but him. I was talking to Chris Collinsworth, who played on two losing Super Bowl teams earlier this year. And he told me, I think about losing the Super Bowl almost every day. So I want to ask yeah. you the reverse question here. How often do you find yourself thinking about winning the Super Bowl? I, 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 I think about, I think about we should uh, every day we should have won more. I think about every day that play in San Francisco. I should have attacked that ball. I mean, every damn day of my life, Brian, I should have attacked that ball. That ball, I shouldn't have waited. If I would have gone up, it would have clarified that pass interference. You know what I'm saying? Dion would have gotten that pass interference, would have got the ball down on the two or three yard line, somewhere that would have gone and scored and, and got back control of that game. Now, I think about it all the time because I'm wondering if I was selfish in that moment. I could have gone up, but I wanted, I said, come on, ball, the ball and get by, just get by. I wanted to catch it, stretch it, and get the touchdown. You know what I'm saying? And be the one. Man, Mike, you did it for us. You brought us back. You got the game for us. As opposed, so 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 since it didn't work out that way, that's what I think about the most. It's, it's I, I I don't ever think about man, we won the Super Bowls or something. But the thing that that that, that texts me is is that play. I should have attacked that ball better. That's what goes through your mind, not catching two two the touchdowns in the ninety three Super Bowl. And, and it's always been that way, Brian. I'm gonna tell you something, man. We would. And I, I would play a game up in Arizona, man. I had 210 yards on like eight catches, three touchdowns. I go home, man. I'm on the ceiling. You're on the ceiling all night, not sleeping. You're not thinking about the plays you made. You're thinking about the one or two plays that got away. Man, I could have had 240 yards. I could have had 250 yards. I could have done it. Like, man, let it go. Go to sleep. Go to sleep, you know. But it just keeps playing over and over and over and over in your mind. You know, I, I it's just... He just, he just, those ones that got away, 
and we let some Super Bowls get away from that divorce of Jerry and Jimmy. All right, last one. I mentioned that back in 92, Roger Staubach and Drew Pearson and those guys were your father's Dallas Cowboys. You're in a, here you and I are 30 years later. How does it feel to be somebody's father's Dallas Cowboy? And it, 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 I can't believe how this thing has come. And every time you meet people, man, my, 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 my dad loves you, man. He loves you, man. You know, the kids, they never even seen you play. These kids are not it's 30. These kids are under 30. They never even, they never, they're like, my dad loves you, man. He says this. I've seen you on YouTube, though. I've seen the highlights. But yeah, we that's that we're, we're the old heads now. We're the old heads, you know. It's, it's just so funny. And, and and just like this, Dak and those guys are going to be the old head. And I'm telling you, man, I, I tell those dudes, I said, man, you you know, you don't want to spend think think about how much. We think about the Super Bowls that got away. We won three of them. We won three. You think you're going to walk out of this league with zero and a clean brain? Are you joking? You, it, it ain't going to happen. I'm telling you, I try to tell these people, it ain't going to happen. You're not walking out of this league with zero Super Bowls and a clean brain. You're going to be thinking about that. You're going to be vexed by it the rest of your life, bar none. Cowboys are playing on the road on Monday, Michael. The Dallas Cowboys haven't won a road playoff game since you guys won in San Francisco in 1993. Isn't that crazy? 30 years. Isn't that crazy? But greatness requires you step across some landmines, you step across all obstacles that stand in your way. So whatever that obstacle is, they got to step on it and across it because it's, it's what it needs to be done. You got they cannot lose that game in Tampa. You cannot lose that game. Michael Irvin, thanks for coming on the Press Box. Be always good to see you, man. All right, it's time for the second weekly edition of David Shoemaker Guesses, the strained pun headline. (coughs) Yay. Monday's headline about Clint Black and his wife Lisa's concert series was the hits and the misses. So good. Today's headline comes from our good friend Thomas Brook. From the New York Times' Deal Book Newsletter. You and I love a good box store, David. Oh, yeah. But things are not going well at Bed Bath & Beyond. Some bad holiday sales over there. And now that store that moms across America love to hoard coupons from is thinking about bankruptcy. So I'm going to give you Bed Bath & What was the New York Times' strained pun headline? I have to get this. Bed, bath, and B, uh, bankrupt. Uh, yeah, B, bed, B, bath, and um, be gone. Be, be. Oh my gosh, why can't I get this? Bed, bath, and ooh, they're in a bad state. It's on the ropes a little bit. Be gone. We'll be gone. We'll be begotten. Begotten. Um, Is that? Um, no, be on the ropes. No, uh, uh, oh, no, it's not feeling good. We're out of sorts here. Just don't, uh, don't be- quite. Bewildered. Oh, so close. Beleaguered. Bed, bath, and beleaguered. Bed, bath, and beleaguered. I like we'll be gone better. I think that would, I think it would have read. Yeah. Somebody also tweeted Bed Bath and the Great Beyond. Oh, yeah, that's great. He is David Shoemaker. I'm Brian Curtis. Production Magic by Erica Cervantes. 
I think I'm going to be back one more time this week. And then David and I are back Monday with more lukewarm takes about the media. See you then, David. See you later, Brian.